Hey, thanks for tuning into the cast. We're super excited that you're listening to our conversation about things that matter to us and we think might matter to you also. And if you do enjoy this conversation, please rate, subscribe, comment, like, and send us questions. It helps us get the word out and engage with you as a listener. I do want to remind our listeners that the views expressed on the cast are those of the people expressing them and may not necessarily reflect the views of our church. With that said, enjoy the show. Yeah, I just want to welcome you back to the cast. Um, it's been it's been a long yeah, season been... of you being absent from the cast. Great to be back. I love representing the ladies. So yeah, so good to be back. Yeah, welcome back. Um, real quick on that note, Leah, uh, would you consider yourself a Proverbs thirty one woman? That's an interesting question. Would I consider myself a Proverbs 31 kind of woman? Hmm, yeah. Sure. Like, I think we're all you, like, we're you, all Proverbs 31 are, are kind sure? of women. Okay, l- let me read you this line from Proverbs 31 oh. real quick. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Leah, can you honestly say that about yourself? You know what? Samuel, I think that's a pretty limited reading of the text right there. <laughs> you might want some better hermeneutics. I, that's just the word of the Lord. Um, the reason I asked though, Leah, is just because I, there's a lot of Psalm 88 boys in our church who are hoping that they'll meet a nice Proverbs 31 woman in hopes that that will turn them into a, uh, I don't want a Psalm 88 kind of, boy. <laughs> first of all, boy. Yeah. I don't want a boy. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, no, like I was saying, there is a lot of Psalm 88 boys out there who think that a Proverbs 31 woman is going to turn them into a Joshua 1-9 kind of man. But uh, I'm here to tell you guys, you have it backwards. Amen? Is that, <laughs> what you... is that a t-shirt idea? Yeah, what's going on here right now, Sam? I don't know. I just feel like, I feel like that's like a good, uh, that's a good line for like a Christian mingle profile. It's Joshua, so wordy. Joshua 1-9 man in search of a Proverbs 31 woman. So you, there you uh, go. <laughs> that sounded pretty weird. Everything we just said was pretty weird, but um, so is so is Christianese when you use it to people who don't understand what it that's means. That's the intro <laughs> you're going with. Oh, that was it is. thought out. That, that was that's pretty roundabout. That was a journey. That was a journey. I took you on a journey, and uh, now we're here. Now we're talking about Christianese. Um, so real quick, Mike and Leah. Can you guys give me like your top three least favorite Christianese words or phrases? This is hard because choosing only three like, <laughs> is going to be really difficult. We'll just say three and maybe Michael fill in the rest. Okay. I have. A, I actually already had a list on my phone. Yeah, um, pull that up. Well, it was actually the list on my phone was called how to be a pastor. And it was me just picking out things that pastors do that. Um... Whoa, wait a second. <laughs> are you, is this gonna be like, are you attacking Mike here? Yeah, what's going no, on here? no, no, no. Um, no. Okay. Well, we can come back to that if you want to, but I'll give you my Christianese words. Sure. Um, how's your heart? Hmm. Yeah. You have to explain um, why you hate it. Yeah. Go, go Like, tell me a little bit about that. Well, 
I think why anyone hates any Christianese words is they lose like uh, the word the words lose their power when you mm. use them so casually so, and so consistently or constantly. How what is it? What loses its meaning for how is your heart? Like what well, you, even what, just like if somebody constantly said the same phrases over and over to yeah. you, you'd be like, "Freaking get some." It's part of my French. Get some <laughs> new words, man. So, uh, like, do people say that to you a lot, though? I hear that a lot. Okay. Not not specifically to me, but, like, in, like, Christian people who you follow on Instagram. Or, like, mm, yep. in... Well, I think mainly women I hear this from, to be <laughs> yeah. honest. Because I haven't... To be honest, not a lot of people have asked me that, but... Well, maybe you should get better friends. I don't maybe. know. How's your heart, Sam? <laughs> <laughs> All right, next. Um. Okay. So, okay. So, that was number one. Let me pick another one. Um... How's your walk with the Lord? Mm, walk with the Lord. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I didn't even think of that one. I have a lot here. Um, <laughs> okay, a word that I think is really overused <laughs> is season. Like, I'm just mm. in a season of, or it's just for a season, mm, blah, blah, yeah. blah, season this, season that. Like, Christians love that word. Yeah, it's funny. It. Like, I actually, like, once I started using that word, I was like, this is, like, a very useful word to describe, like, a temporary period of time. <laughs> But then it's like, yeah, sure. I just hear it all the time now. You literally, like, yeah. And then I kick myself for saying it so much. I hear it maybe, uh, yeah. I do hear it a lot, and I do hear it a lot from girls. <laughs> it's a season of singleness, am I right, ladies? Like, it's just a season. <laughs> it annoys me. Yeah. But I get it. Like, I, I understand. Like, it is yeah. fitting for the, con. like, it, it makes sense. It's just so overused, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, like, it's weird because... I don't like everyone could use the word season, but for some reason, Christian people Christians love use it. it. Yeah, like we it's, write there's songs nothing, about something it. inherently Christian about the word season, other than the fact that like it's maybe God made the alluded seasons. to in his Ecclesiastes a lot. Like maybe that's what we're. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it'd be a big stretch to point out why it's more Christian of a word than any other word. I think. Yeah, why do we use that word all know. the time? Why, like, why? I I guess just the idea that like. All things are temporary and, you know, maybe we control less. Like, we don't control the seasons. We can't control the weather. What do you think would be a good alternative to season? I don't know. Not period. Um, Ew, <laughs> gross. But, like, that is that is sort of a synonym. Why did you have to so emphasize that? Not period. It, it, it was actually the first word that came to my mind. And I was like, no, not that one. Um, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Mike, nothing? Um, I kind of like it. So. You like it? I think season captures like it, Samson, the, the temporary nature of this moment. Yeah. I think, obviously, if it's like... Overused. Like you said, like, it's my season of singleness right now. It's like, shut up. You're single. Get over it, right? Yeah. But, sorry if you're single. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I think it captures, though... I don't know. I like it because it's... I don't dislike the word. I just yeah, like, like the, the overusedness of it. it. Yeah. I just think it's like what you said, Sam. It captures the feeling that we recognize that this isn't forever, but what other... Yeah, maybe it's a better question of what other word can we use? I think we could maybe just diversify our language a bit. Like, at this moment, during this month, I don't know, be a little <laughs> more specific, perhaps. Yeah, well, that's tough because we can't yeah. control tomorrow, so yeah. we don't really know. That's it. We, we could go back to the old school mountains and valleys. I'm on a mountaintop right now. I'm in a valley right now. I think that's like, worse than season. <laughs> what does that even mean? I think that's a lot worse. Let's just stick with season. 
Um, number three, Leah. Give me, give me one more. Oh, I'll give you. Another oh, she's one. got like a list of eighteen. I have a really big list. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, oh, I'm not gonna do something because I don't feel led. I don't feel led. <laughs> don't feel led. Hmm. Yeah, and it's it's like led by what? Because I think a lot of times mm-hmm. people are being a little dishonest with that one. Like, yeah, you say don't be led, but uh, led by God. If you're being specific and you're saying I don't feel led by God, then you're you're really putting some like weight behind it. But you just and say you led. could be breaking one of the Ten Commandments. One of the Ten Commandments. <laughs> I'm saying, just putting it out there. But it's like, what what's leading you? I actually just remember mine. Mine was when Christians mean no and they say, I'll pray about it. Yeah. Ooh, Same yeah. thing, right? Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. I'm just going to use some real spiritual language mm. to be I, a yo, coward. Are you calling me out for not? <laughs> I said that to you when you asked me to do worship on the 14th. I was like, mm, I'll pray about that. Oh, really? no. <laughs> and you were like, don't say that. <laughs> no, well, actually, maybe. But no, because I think that there's a genuineness to some people, but I find so many people use that because they don't want to say no in the moment. So I'll pray about it. Which would make, like, I may think about it, but I already knew my answer was going to be no. Yeah. So it's like, just be, and I do mean this, like, very forcefully, just be brave enough to say no. Yeah. Right? Like, if you can't do it, just can't do it. Just have some right. integrity. Now, I do think being led is tricky, right? Because I think there's a genuineness there that should be there. But if it's, but if there's a pattern of someone's life of, like, I just feel led to not do this right now. I just feel led not to serve. Yeah, in like very specific not, ways. Right? Where it's like, I don't mm. feel led or I didn't yeah. feel like God told me to like go serve the poor today. And it's like, mm. but like read the Bible. It says care for the poor. That's all the leading you should God's need. always leading <laughs> yeah, you to no. do that. What's funny is actually I'm talking about this on Sunday. So if you're listening to this, you already heard the sermon. But the idea of permission of the spirit of God to like move. And um, what one, one of my main points at the end is like, we don't, need permission for what god's already made explicit so if like mm. you know that's good that's good that's good uh, mm, but like so good. right like loving people caring for the poor like you don't have to be like i'm gonna go pray about if i should yeah. care for this poor person mm. ah, pray for wisdom how to do it well maybe but permission yeah get over yourself right so or people would use i feel led then say something that's clearly like it, I, not i, I want to say this right that that's very self ordained mm. is that the way you say it where it's like they'll, they'll just blame god yeah for their own decision it's right. like because at that point how do you fight with that right you mm. can't be like well yeah. god didn't say it. well you can't say that but most people won't right and then they just get to walk away as they want right felt led by this mansion <laughs> i just felt led by the spirit of god so yeah what would be number two for you then mike you got you got two more what was your first one that, the one he just said uh i'll pray about it oh that's really the one i hate the most to be honest yeah um Mainly because I'm a pastor and people use that so often. Um, I actually couldn't think of another one that I didn't like as much as that one, to be honest. What about love on? Why do we have mm. to say love on? Oh, I, love I, on people. I got some. Yeah, kind of predatory. Yeah. But it's like, you want to do what on me? Get off me. <laughs> <laughs> You're not my spouse. You don't, get to, <laughs> you don't get to do any loving on top of me. Why are whoa, you, where whoa, are you whoa, taking this? You're adding shit? words. You're adding words. That I'm, one is just I'm weird. Just, like, it is. I think, like, again, yeah, outside of the Christian culture, I've heard people, like, really confused by that. Yeah. Obviously, it's like, the same thing. The heart behind it's great. You know, we want to love people, but you can't just say, let's go love people, yeah. not love on somebody. Yeah, like, I, and I the think... The imagery is just weird. But it's like, what do you mean when you say, I want to love on somebody? Like, to me, when I hear... If someone were to tell me, like, I want to love on you, it'd be like, 
I just want to support you like unconditionally right now. Like I, especially cause they always qualify with like, I just want to love on you. Right. Like, like I, that's all I want to do. Like I, it doesn't, mm, is this no a strings attached. Are we writing a song right now? <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit lyrical, isn't it? But, um, yeah, like it's, it's almost like adding like the, the on kind of like softens the weight of the word love a little bit. Oh, maybe. It's like almost we're too coward to like to say what we really mean in that moment. Like I want to support you. I want to care for you. I want to love you. And we say love on. I feel like most people mean it to be nice. Like like to love yeah. on is just to be nice to someone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. To go the extra mile. Like remember like in youth pastoring, a lot of youth pastors would say, let's just go love on our youth. Yeah. And it's like, what you mean is show up to their game and like send them an encouraging message. Yeah. Right. But do you hear non-Christians say that? Never. Way? Right. Yeah. So like, so. wouldn't it, if you heard somebody say that, wouldn't You're it doing be, what, what the heck? Yeah. No, yeah. That, that is a weird one that we have allowed to be adopted for now, too long. Now, this one also might not be specific to Christianity, but what about pouring into? Mm. I, it's like, it, it can, seems The imagery useful. is nice. Yeah. But like, you, you want to pour what into, into what? I'm pouring into you. Yeah, well, it's, I think it's when, yeah, it's unqualified. It is weird. But usually, like, I've, I usually hear it in terms of leadership development. Yeah, and right? I, like I have and, heard it. I think it's been used in secular contexts that way too. Um, yeah, like some, I'm, I have an, I'm overflowing with something. Giving you I'm, some wisdom. Yeah, yeah. like, um, but again, it's, it's a, the kind of thing where I think if someone hears these kind of strange things being said, like, we, we are speaking a different language and it, that kind of runs contrary maybe to like inviting people into our space, mm -hmm. uh, into our mm -hmm. community, into our family. And then, yeah, like to my other point, it seems like you kind of strip away maybe some of the precision and the weight of what you're actually trying to say. Like, I think it'd be a lot more powerful to just say exactly what you mean. Like, I want to like, when I pour into you, I want to like help you grow as a person or as a leader like i'd rather you just say that and i get exactly what you mean and it means a lot more to be honest you think it's confusing to say confusing and just like not as powerful like i i think yeah. there's like a lot of value in just being very precise in what you mean um so like love on like if someone were to tell me like i want to I want to be nice to you or like I want to support you and care <laughs> for you. Has anyone ever said that? Hey, I want to be nice to you. I don't you. know. Like I just, I feel like that level of rawness and honesty would just touch me a lot more than saying I want to love on you. I want to love on you. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard it straight up said like that. I'm just, like, just, yeah, it's hypothetical. I don't know if I've heard it that way either. It's usually uh like a third party you're talking about like i want to love on that person or i want to love on those people yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. but yeah i think i think uh i think christianese is actually something like we actually really need to all just take a minute and self-examine a little bit just do some soul searching oh <laughs> that's that's not christianese everyone says soul searching mm. i love how we're just fellowshipping here tonight wow but what about fellowshipping so, is a weird one yeah so like so, it's just not used anywhere except the church yeah. right that, that's like an interesting one so what about those biblical ones because like love on isn't biblical but like disciple what about the word disciple we love talking about discipleship and i want to disciple these people and it's like i know what that means and i i understand it but like there's also specific ways that you disciple somebody, right? There are specific activities that you can do to mm -hmm. help them grow and, and whatnot and uh, just be more like Jesus. Um, so, like, why not just, 
like say specifically what activities and what ways you intend to disciple someone. Like I feel like those words would be more useful. Well, because you know, the majority of the way Christians are ever described in the Bible is as a disciple. So you can't really like that one is more about the the work of explanation than I think anything so, else, right? Hmm. Like if you there's some things like disciple I would argue that is important. Like we kind of use the language of apprenticeship to give an imagery a little bit more, but like yeah. I, I interchange it on purpose that it's, it's all together. But I don't. I would never want to abandon the idea of being a disciple. Reckless abandon. I wouldn't either. But like, here's the thing: like in the Bible, isn't disciple mostly used as a noun rather than a verb? It is. Yeah, to to be a disciple of Jesus. But Im- implicit in that is the knowledge of learning, right? That we are the ones who learn the way of the so rabbi. I don't know. Right? Like, I'd rather just say, I'm going to learn to be a disciple. <laughs> like, yeah, you can. I think that's just like splitting hairs at that point, but I might be. It's one of those ones because because then you could then you could argue well then what does the disciple mean? And then you have to say well a disciple is one who follows Jesus. Well, what does that mean? Someone who walks the way Jesus wants to walk. What does that mean? Well, okay, now we get the work of it. Yeah, but it's just like I don't know. I just don't think it's necessary to use disciple in our common everyday talk. I think you can easily say learn to follow Jesus. And That's why a lot of the progressive churches will say things like we're followers of Jesus or yeah. we're yeah. the people of Jesus because they're trying to do that. But I don't know. I'm, I, would, I would argue more for an explanatory model of like certain things we, we hold to be and then we explain them better. Like there's some words like, you know, I hear a lot of people be like, you know, this is just a time of impartation. We need to like okay like <laughs> that one can we can pull out that that's unnecessary but i think certain like i would argue some of some of the especially the theological language it's not necessarily about replacing it but but being better at explaining it not assuming everybody knows what we're talking yeah, about when we talk maybe, about it you right? might be right there like a big word that people get so weird about is like when we talk about propitiation yeah right that's actually a very powerful word for our theology, so it's not worth throwing out, but it'd be better to explain it simply and then be able to attach meaning to it than just throw out you know, the whole idea of what that is, right? And so I think there are some things where when it gets to biblical language that we still want to use, I would argue more for wise explanation than anything else, to be honest. Fair enough. Unless it's like unless it actually is biblically cultural stuff, like I remember growing up in the like, idea of like impartation, use that one again, was such a big thing, right? And it's like, okay, well, let's get over ourselves there. Like, we can just move on. Mike, I actually forget if you do this very much. I don't think you do, but like, there's a lot of <laughs> preachers love explaining what the original Greek means <laughs> all the time. And it honestly it annoys me. Um, I don't, unless I think it actually is helpful. Is right? what? Helpful. If it's helpful. I, I think there might be times that it is, but I think a, a lot of the times it's, it seems like preachers are just trying to flex their Well, that's what knowledge. a lot of like critique would be is that you're using like, basically the one guy, who was it? It was like, you know, your job as the preacher is to study all that and then to tell them like what the meaning is, not to prove that you studied. Yeah. So. Yeah. You don't have to show your work all the time. Like, like yeah. Like, I think there's some like, funny moments. you write moments, books, you do. Right. But like, yeah. But when, I, when I'm preaching, right, it's like I, my job is to communicate simply, I would argue, the depth of the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. And so unless it's going to add actually to the understanding, like, hey, guys, in the Hebrew, this word actually means this thing. We say it like this, but this is the actual meaning of it. Um, like a good one, I think, is the word has said in the Old Testament, where it often gets translated 
you know, loving kindness right. or the kindness of God. We're really it's speaking to the covenantal love of God, his like never ending commitment, blah, 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 where yeah. our translation can kind of miss that a little bit. Yeah. I think there are moments or funny moments. So like, you know, <laughs> yeah. when, you know, it says in Why Acts, it's like her name was Tabitha or Dorcas, right? It's like, <laughs> let's explain that one. <laughs> what is going on here? They both mean gazelle. One's just one language, one's the other one. It just makes for a little bit of a moment. But um, so I, yeah, I don't think explaining the Hebrew and Greek is necessarily helpful all the time. Yeah. I just, I, there, I think there are probably choice moments to do it. I know there are like some preachers that do it like every sermon. <laughs> yeah, I just like, don't like, if you guys don't trust that I have studied and thought deeply about this, then like, why are you paying me? <laughs> I guess would be the right way. Wrong way of saying that, but right way of saying that. Anyways, moving on. Yeah. Next one. Moving on. Next. Next. Yeah, I don't really have any more I want to touch on. Unless Leah has you, a lot. You got, you want, some more you want to bring up, Leah? Um, you want me to just rapid fire through? <laughs> yeah, let's go. Let's go. Whatever you do, don't pray for patience. <laughs> I hate oh, that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, mmm. Um, okay, do you want me to rapid fire that? Okay, here we go. How's your walk with the Lord? Journeying together. Morning, brother. Saying struggling when you're really sinning. I feel <laughs> I don't feel That's like a good one. That's Love good. offering. I'll pray for you. Don't say I'll pray for you. Just pray for me right now. Don't tell me you'll do it later. Seeker friendly. Uh, a Bible that's falling apart belongs to someone who isn't. Let go and let God. He doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Hurt people, hurt people. Leave room for the Holy Spirit. Brokenness, community, transparency. Whew. Wow. That was a lot. A lot of buzzwords in there. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Some good, some bad. Some overused. My, my key takeaway is just... Uh, Put yourself in the shoes of a non-Christian maybe before you say some of these things. If it's going to open up more questions than answers, then maybe choose different words. When you said the shoes, I thought of the one where it's like, where the footprints in the sand disappeared. That's when I was carrying you. Classic. That is classic. It's true. Yeah, today I was on Instagram and there's this... Uh, there's this new account. I'm not sure who's running it or what their intention behind running it is, but it's called Preachers and Sneakers. And it's just, uh, it's all these celebrity pastors um, wearing really expensive shoes. And then the count shows you how much the shoes cost that they're wearing. Um, it, it was a bit mean-spirited, but I had a good chuckle about it. I sent it to Mike and Leah. Had a good chuckle about it. I had a proper chuckle about it. Um, but I was just like, it's like, this is like perfect. I wish that this had, I wish I had discovered this account or that this account had been around a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about fashion in the church, because it's just like the perfect picture of that. But so we're not going to actually dig too much into the, um, fashion side of it tonight. Um, if you want to go look at the account, it's called preachers in sneakers. Hopefully it's not like taken down or reported by the time. Um, this airs but uh, it's pretty funny one of the pastors that was called out actually like responded to it and was basically like yeah all this stuff was given to me which maybe it was because here's the thing these pastors have like celebrity friends you know they're friends in high places um, so the thing I actually want to talk about is that that idea of the celebrity pastor who looks like a celebrity dresses like a celebrity I don't really care how they acquired the stuff because um, to be honest, a lot of them are probably also being paid like celebrities. Um, yeah, just that idea, because that is sort of a recent phenomenon. I don't know that the celebrity pastor has ever really existed 
in the way that it has in the, the age of social media before. Like we've had, you know, the Billy Grahams and the televangelists, mostly like the prosperity gospel types back in the 80s and whatnot. Who had great watches. That's All true. And here's the thing. All they actually, they openly bragged about their wealth. The, the ones nowadays that are maybe are wealthy or at least have nice watches and nice shoes don't maybe talk about that stuff so much. But it is a part of their life. It's a part of their image. It's a part of uh, kind of the power that they do wield, I guess. And I don't know. Like, I feel like I feel like we don't talk enough about that because it, it makes me uncomfortable in ways that I can't quite put my finger on. But a lot of people will say, hey, like, this is good that we have celebrity pastors because actual, like, celebrities outside of the church are being reached. I mean... Everyone points to like Justin Bieber's, you know, being baptized in another celebrity's tub who is like a friend of Carl Lentz and these kind of stories. But then again, even stories like that, like you're relying on the, the testimony of like a celebrity almost at that point to sort of like spread your message. But like what happens, what happens if Justin Bieber, for example, were to like leave the church? Like it feels like you're really tying, you're putting a lot of weight on celebrity that's just my opinion. Well, yeah, I think that this actually is a deeper conversation because I think there's also a missional basis for it in the sense of the celebrity of the West and the influence that they gain, especially in social media, right? Because mm -hmm. I've also heard like over in other more um, Eastern parts of the world yeah. that if the mayor of a, of a village or the leader of a village says, I'm coming to Jesus, the whole village follows, right? And wow. we would look at that and saying, well, that's not genuine faith. That's just followership, right? That, mm. But there is this dynamic of group leadership and group influence. And I don't think it's necessarily wrong for us to think, hey, if this celebrity got saved, then the influence of that story is wide-reaching, yeah. right? I do think it's Christian ridiculous to celebrate every time one celebrity name drops Jesus because, <laughs> like, it's just... Anyways... Anyways, that's just stupid. But um, so I do think there is a kind of missional value to that bend of social media. Like, I don't want to – it's a tool, right? And like you mentioned, like the televangelists, they just use the, the modern me media at the time, which was TV, and try to get the message out there. And so, you know, on, on the missional side of it, the strategy is quite brilliant, right? Now, can it be twisted and can it be – say devolved into its worst form 100% it can I think we've seen that a lot um, and 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 so when it comes to the idea of reaching celebrities like I'm all for that because they're people they need Jesus like yeah. I think when we put them on the pedestal that culture does we actually create more of that distance than we should sure. um, they just happen to be generally good-looking and rich people right and mm -hmm. it's fine um, now on the level of the pastor though um, I do think that it is a deeper theological question on on what does what what does the example of following Jesus end up bringing to my life, right? Because at the end of the day, pastors are put up as examples of what yeah. we should be and can be, and like whether we intended it or not. I think that's actually part of being the pastor is you you assume that responsibility that you set the tone, that yeah. you have, like if I'm the guy, even if I'm not the lead pastor, if I'm the one preaching, right, the guy who's been given uh, the stage, the mic, then recognizing that, you know, for good and for bad, 
right? I will be a visible mm-hmm. um, example to my community. And so I think that we do have to very much be aware of the image that we present. Yeah. And this is where I would say the theologies can get mixed, right? Because do I believe that if I get successful as a pastor, that means my lifestyle should increase with the same... Proportionally? Yeah, trajectory, right? And, you know, if you're in a certain theological framework that does assume a certain remuneration on the side of prosperity, <laughs> then that image has to be put out there. Like, yeah. you, you can't say that God's going to bless you and God's going to bring this in your life and keep on dreaming and go bigger and go home, right? And not then live that yourself. Like, there right, is a yeah. kind of like, do you drink the poison that you're preaching? Right. That's not even the saying. <laughs> well, <laughs> do you drink of, the Kool-Aid, right? Whatever. Yeah, but it was poison. Um, it was, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so I think there is that, that, that dynamic where it would have to be a deeper understanding of what is... Like, cause here's the thing. I'm not going to say who it was, but I heard one pastor say that um, he he decides to, you know, present this image of the good stuff, the good life, whatever, because he believes it's evangelism tool because it connects to those he's reaching, those good life kind of seeking people. And whether I agree or not, right, if that's the way he can justify it, well, then in his mind, he's being missional, right? I'm just trying to reach, I'm trying to be like the people I'm reaching, like to the Romans, I'm a Roman, to the Jews, I'm a Jew, like Paul says, right? And it's like, okay, right? Like you're right at some level. If you walk into a party and you look like crap, people are going to be like, well, I don't want to talk to that guy, maybe, right? In that world. I'm not in, you know, those Miami and LA and New York, I don't know, right? If I, and would I want to, I don't know. I'm not going to answer that question. But, um, so I do think there is like, we have, we, we have to, I think, on the outside of it, assume good intention at some level. But I don't know. I, I just think that we we have to we have to be very careful to I think honestly delineate between um, genuine wrongdoing, mm-hmm. mistaught leadership, and then personal passion, right? Because some of them might just love fashion. And they happen to be in a space where they can express it like that. And I don't think that's necessarily wrong. But if it's creating this image of, you know, this is the blessed Christian life. Look, I can be a Christian and still this cool and still this thing. Well, I don't, like, I would say that that's a poor example. Yeah. Right? In my mind. Right? And and, and so, yeah, I just, I the idea of the celebrity pastor is kind of an oxymoron to me. Um but I'm I'm not going to I can't hate on someone that I've never walked in their shoes in that row. Cause like I don't I could say now we're a church of a hundred. I've never be like that. I have no idea until I'm there. Yeah. Right? What if I had like some of these guys have like what two hundred fifty thousand people on Instagram? Yeah. Well, I, I don't even know what that would feel like. Yeah. Right? Like thinking that like this many people. And so I do think on the theological level, it's it's very dangerous on the practical level i don't know i hope i would not be in the same heart space but i can't judge their heart like i, I so that's where it's tough because i disagree with the practice but 
I want to love the person. Yeah, I, I find it that really hard too. I just, but like, I think what you touched on there was really interesting about the idea of the pastor being the thing everyone sees and sort of like models their life after. Because if you see this good looking, like, have you ever seen an ugly celebrity pastor? You haven't. Yes. Mm, well, we I haven't. Okay. Men, so. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I personally haven't, or an ugly pastor's wife for that matter. Um, and an ugly pastor's wife? They're or... all just like gorgeous people. Like everyone who's in that world is gorgeous. I mean, whether that's by genetics or just the fact that they do themselves up really well because they can afford to, I don't know. Um, but if you're presenting this like American dream, celebrity, riches, wealth thing to people, like, I don't, I'm not questioning how you got there. I'm just saying that if you take it seriously that you are influencing your church, then you're telling people like you want to get to my level one day. It feels like they have like a higher level of responsibility that I feel like on Instagram and on social media, they're not necessarily paying attention to. Like, I don't want to see all the posts that these people post from like pastors i'm like i can get this crap from any worldly here's the, account i think they are paying attention to it and i think they understand what they're doing but i think they pretend like they don't because i've <laughs> all of these guys like they all ha kind of say the same lines it's like you know i'm just like everybody else like while well, i'm wearing you know rick owens <laughs> but um i don't know who rick owens is i don't know is. who that is okay either. so that's that reveals some sin in my life that I care that much about fashion. But uh. Well, I think what you said earlier is interesting, too. And it's like the, the mixing of American prosperity with um, evangelicalism, right? And that, you know, the idea of the American dream, where you can come and create this future and become who you want to be and succeed. And that usually means in some monetary capital sense. And that defines the good life. Like there is this mix of culture there that it's hard to fully delineate and, and to really divide like where where does Jesus for them and for us stop and culture start like that right. is a, yeah. a mashup that you know you could argue that in some sense them reaching that culture they're trying to become maybe too much like that culture because at some level you know if that, if, mm, how do I want to say this? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to be careful because, like, there are some celebrities that, you know, that are more celebrity in the sense of the Christian world, like, like some of the pastors in the last little while who have fallen, right, out of their right. positions of power because they weren't flashy. They weren't, like, Instagram worthy, yeah. whatever, but they were just powerful, influential, yeah. skilled people that we just put on a pedestal, right? That's it's always that, that pedestal thing. And so whether it's the, you know, essentially everyone that is on that preachers and sneakers thing that you put out is, is basically some kind of, like, Pentecostal um, evangelical guy, yeah. right? Yeah. But even, like, the Baptist ones and, and, yeah, the, the, and the reformed ones, reformed yeah. ones yeah. like, the guys that have fallen been the same thing. They just, yeah. they may not dress, dress as nice, but they're caught up in this pedestal of the pastor, and, and so I think that we have to be careful that just because this version of celebrity pastor, you know, has nice clothes that maybe we all see and experiences and the boats and the yachts and the vacations in Hawaii eight times a year, right? And the other one, you know, just literally controls everything about his church. Yeah. Like they're, it doesn't, they're not, they're not, they're different, but they're not, right? They're just That's different true. expressions of the same ideology and the same idolatry of, 
this position of influence. And that's where I think we have to be careful in the sense of of whether it's that I want to be seen as cool and celebrity and known and influential or powerful and skilled and whatever, like the heart that I want to be able to ascend, yeah. um, I think is, is a tricky one, especially in, with leadership, because it is an example thing. And, you know, you might say it's safer to not be the Instagram guy, um, but, you know, is it really? I don't know. Like, like yeah. it, it's a different kind of temptation, maybe. Yeah, it's true. Like, I, I even wanted to almost, like, <laughs> again, bring up Catholicism here. Because they, they kind of don't have this celebrity problem in Catholicism because they're all just priests. And there's aren't... I actually there, are, there are a few. There are a few. There are there's few Robert that... Barron and there's, like, Father James Barton. There's a few of them that are well-known. Well, yeah, but now reasons. with, like, the YouTube movement, yeah. right? There are some big Catholic guys on YouTube. Even in, in, in Canada, right? One, one of the... Um, in Canada, in Canada. Um, there, there's a, a, a father, I think his name is James Mallon in, in Nova Scotia, who's got like this blossoming um, Catholic church. Yeah. Um, that he goes to all the conferences, all the leadership conferences. Like, Is he like, like one of the charismatic Catholics? I don't actually know. I just know that he just, I think he was connected with Alpha. Somehow he used Alpha, I think. Okay. And just blew up. And like, so I, I do think that it's not necessarily the... Like, okay, I'll, I'll backtrack. Yes, I agree that potentially in the, in the, in the Catholic understanding of a pastor, there would be some checks and balances put in. Because they, they've taken some of the chain, or they've put more chains on them, rather. You could say that, right? Like, good, some of them being, I think, good chains, the idea that, like, you are assigned to, like, this is your parish, and, mm-hmm. like, there isn't, so there doesn't become, like, that kind of pastor-CEO model of a church that sure. I think can sort of breed that celebrity. Well, but I would, I think it's actually a step back, right? Like, I don't think it's the pastor-CEO. Like, that is a model. It could come and go, but really, it's, like, the difference between, like, the, I would say, like, the Catholic understanding of, you know, pastoral ministry, mm-hmm. like, the priesthood and the father and whatever, versus, like, in this case that you brought up with the sneakers thing, the prosperity side of it, right, is yeah. that, like, they will breed different kinds of this, right? Like, they it's, do, yeah. It's evident that mm-hmm. if you're going to put yourself in a place where the evidence of God's blessing is somehow material, well, the guys who are going to espouse that better be materially blessed. Like, that just has to be the yeah. case, or else you're just debunking your own myth, right? And so I think we just have to be careful that, you know, you could very much argue that the chains that were put in the Catholic Church produced in their kind of predator, yeah. right? And yeah. and so it's just it's it's I think there's always this temptation with leadership that, you know, when when human beings I think ascend to a certain level of influence, in all cases, um, we don't naturally handle that very well. Yeah. Right? And you can get sucked in because like I remember being young. I don't know if we talked about this in the podcast or not, but... What's it like being old now? <laughs> man, my knees hurt and tired all the time. No, so I'm 28. But back when I was like in college, so this was like 10 years ago, uh, when I first went to college, when I think I went to college, 18, 19. And I remember that I used to say to people, like, I just really think, you know, I want to be influential, right? And I said that because it felt good. Like, I want to influence people for Jesus and whatever. But if you really dig beneath the surface, it's because I wanted to be famous. I wanted people to know me. I wanted to be the preacher guy, right? And God had to break that out of my heart. Um, and it's still a journey, right? But like I'm, but I remember lying to myself, thinking, like, this is a better way of saying it. 
a more pure way. Like, shut up, young Mike. Like, slap yourself. Um, and so I think, like, the temptation's easy because especially when you get evangelicals who are prosperity-focused because evangelicals are known for our desire for mission, that we want to tell people about Jesus and, and influence them. And at the end of the day, whether you like it or not, social media is the best place to do that right now for the masses, right? It's where everybody is. We've talked about this before. It's, you know, like, there's nowhere else in our world where, like, literally 95% of our whole city exists in the same place except for online, mm, right? Like, yeah. so the, 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 the impetus towards, you know, get the word out, because a lot of these guys do use them yeah. for their ministry. I did air quotes, I know you can't see that, but, <laughs> right, ministry, where it's not like, look at my church and look how awesome we are. And even they'll sometimes preach about how that's all fake and we always show the good stuff to kind of like say that we're real and we know. Well, it's like, you still do it, so whatever, right? Um, but, you know, that tagged with, this vision of the good life. If you follow Jesus, everything's going to work out in the end, which we talked about a couple of times ago, right? Of the over-realized eschatology, essentially, that everything's going to pan itself out. It's like you do produce this necessary kind of lifestyle of mission language around social influence. And I think that, like, it can take any leader out. It's going to, like, I've had to wrestle with that because I'm on there and not that I have anywhere near the influence these guys have, but why, why wouldn't I want, I have, if I feel like I'm a communicator, I would want that. Right. And so yeah. I think it's, I think that it, it, like the, 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 the layers upon which this gets into the human heart, right. It's just, it's so deep. I would though, like, and here's my opinion on it. Just not that I haven't given it already, but I do think that there's a kind of disingenuineness to it that, we as pastors need to protect ourselves from that. I am not meant to be the material leader, but the soul leader, right? That yeah. I'm supposed to prosper in every other area and not bring attention to myself and, you know, really try to lift up what we're about versus yeah. what I'm about. And, and, and I'm not saying that, that they do that, but I think it's, it's an easy way of bringing attention to the lifestyle I get to have. And, and I do think they're potentially, and this gets from like the pastor and the growing up in the ministry kind of side of me, is that there is a push to show that pastoring is a, um, is a good occupation. Because there was sort of this thing that, you know, the life of a pastor is not great. It's the third most stressful job all around. And mm. like, it sucks all your life. You think that? Well, that's the thing is that is, is I do think that it's not. Right. Right. But there has been this this idea that it is. And I think to correct that, like I remember, um, I think it was Carl Lenz who's talked about how he wants to make sure his son and his, da and his daughters know that like they get like his their dad has the best opportunity in the world to serve Jesus and get paid to do it and yeah. whatnot. Right. So I think that trying to present that lifestyle of like this is a cool job and we can do is could have does come from a good place. But then again, it can go too far. Right. And. Um, that's where like the idea of making sure that we're always checked in. There's always the balances in there to protect us from that. Because for us, like, I think, you know, being in the entrepreneurial age and sort of the young millennial Gen Z kind of world. Yeah, it's like I set my own hours. I work when I can. If my family needs me, I'm available. Like if I worked a nine to five job, I would not be with my kids nearly as much as I am. So if I were to complain about my job, I would be a fool to be honest, right? I think it's awesome. Yeah. So I like, it's not what it used to be. I think we've been able to do that, but, and, and that's also because I'm 28 
leading a church that I started, or you know what I mean, but we planned it together. And so like, I'm kind of the, my own boss and I'm accountable to the board and lead team, but it's like, you get the work done, we trust you to do it. And I get to set that and not all pastors get that and I understand that. But I think there was that, there's that kind of pushback. Cause I've heard people talk about that. There's like, we want to make pastoring or like working the church, this, this good thing. It doesn't steal my dad away. It doesn't steal my parents away. And it's like, I can get that. But then to be fair, you know, like when I see some of these online pastors literally going to Hawaii, like literally like six times a year. Okay. <laughs> like it's not that you can't, but do you need to? Right, that's what I would like. It's not that you can't like. You are, I'm not, especially if you're posting about it on social media. You're sending a certain message to your congregation, whether you like it or not. Well, and it's, it's and again, it's it's not that again. It's not that you can't. I'm not saying they shouldn't, but to my, to me, it's always do need to. Like if you've been given a certain level of responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. Like you had to own that. And so it's the same thing I would say to any kind of rich person. Like yeah, you could buy those thousand dollar shoes. But do you need to, right? And we, we we really don't like that as a culture. Like, who are you to tell me how to spend my money? I don't. Jesus does. And like the idea of simplicity and the idea of generosity to a fault even, right? And wisdom with budgeting, of course. But like, I think there's that kind of question is if we tend to be so individualistic and so materialistic that we assume that it's, it's, it's my money. I tithe. I'm sure they do. They, they <laughs> yeah. all believe in tithing. And like, I would yeah. not even doubt for a second. Right. Sure, yeah. Um, actually, cause some of them post when they do tithe, <laughs> yeah. I've seen that before. Right. Uh, but it's like, it's still, it's like, well, do you need to like one of the guys that like, and for good or for bad, right. I really like respect in this celebrity world, um, for this reason is Rick Warren. Right? Cause he is like, he's blown up for the last 30 years, been doing amazing things. And, you know, he gives most of the money he makes away. That's the story, right? Yeah, that's an interesting point because I had this thought today, like as I was talking about this with uh, with people in the in the group chat uh, about this thing, um, is just the idea of like a balance in your giving and in like your allocation of money and your ba- balance in your generosity, I think, like towards yourself and then towards other people or towards the church. And I think like the tithing, that 10% benchmark um, maybe sets people up for imbalance sometimes. And I know that like we've talked about tithing before, like it's actually more like 28%. And- mm-hmm. On the strict biblical law, yeah. it should be. And that's, and that, again, it's true. Like it's, it's more about sacrifice, yeah. right? What, and it's not like God wants you to hurt. Well, sometimes he does. We talked about that on Sunday, but you know, I think that there's a level of like the richer you are, the reason why Jesus, it's hard for a rich person to enter in because you begin person. to just, person leah to, because it just you get to the space where you are with whatever religious language you have like deeply distracted by that right yeah. and and i don't know like i'm not like we've talked about this before saying i'm not one for a you know poverty theology in any way but mm. i do think that there is wisdom and this is going to go against all the kind of like american dream capitalist whatever Woo-hoo! Not the other way, Sam. Preach don't get against it. No, him, Mike. don't Come get on. over get over yourself. <laughs> but I do think that there's, a, especially as pastors, that there is kind of an inherent cap I need to put on myself, a lifestyle that, um, sure, the Lord has blessed me, and I want to bless because I still have a family. Like I want to bless my family. If I was a single guy, and had no kids, and no wife, and no ambition, fine, right? I can live in a you know whatever. But I have a family. I have kids who yeah. I want to grow and f- thrive and flourish, and yeah. um. And so, like, but I do think that there's a point where, like, I need to say my lifestyle is 
good and I don't need to push beyond it. Like, is this a cap, like an absolute threshold for everybody or is it like specific to every, like, are we saying those pastors shouldn't necessarily, you know, be going to Hawaii every? <laughs> I think that generally speaking in leadership, especially in the spiritual dynamic of church, that there should be a general like understanding. Like, again, I'm not going to police it, but I do think actually there is kind of a, you know what? My lifestyle is good. I'm blessed, but I'm not excessive. And again, I can't, how, do I say they have to make this much a year? No, I'm not going to say that. I'm just going to come right out and say it. Six times to Hawaii in a year is excessive. Well, most of, most of that life is excessive, right? Especially even when you consider like the fact that I heard, I saw a pastor, it was like one of these Baptist guys, of course, who just hates on anyone who's celebrity, but yes. say that he goes, I'm I like, he goes, you know, how dare we say that, like, you know, how do you say it? It was so good. Basically, it's like, you know what? Pastoring is not harder or more laborsome than a single mom must work two jobs to pay the rent kind of thing. And, you know, if that's people in our church, then not that I have to, like, struggle in the same way if God's blessed us and I've done a good job stewarding the money and stewarding the church. But, like, if I'm completely out of the realm yeah. of the average person, sure. yeah. I think that I become kind of more of an idol and not a leader. And that's my personal thing on it. Like I, like I would saying that like I follow most of these guys, right? I kind of don't like their stories all the time, <laughs> mainly because I was, wish I was on the boat right now. But <laughs> whatever. Um, and and I'm not going to hate on them honestly because I don't think I can. Do I agree with the philosophy of ministry and life they've chosen? No, I don't. Is that their fault necessarily, or is it their upbringing? I would say that there's reasons versus excuses and they might have some reasons to be doing what they're doing but i don't think they have an excuse to not know that this probably isn't wise um and you know then not to mention we are canadian they are american it's a different culture and yeah you know I but think, even at that though like one of like i don't know if it was g cube or like one of those you know profiles on like hillsong nyc or something like someone who wasn't a christian like attended that church and was just taken aback by like how well dressed and expensive everybody was at that church. Yeah, but I think at the same it, time, it's still like a New York City native still. Yeah, but I feel I think if they're not a Christian, they're they're, they're coming with a certain level of bias anyway. For sure, and so, because but... I remember hearing another one about like it just it just like completely destroyed one of the churches that would be on this. Um, it was just a horrible article written about them, and even if fifty percent of it was true, right? I still take it with kind of a grain of salt because it was sent from a person who's going in already suspicious, right? And and so I think we just have to be careful with that. And then again, as a Canadian who tends not to like make much of myself because, you know, we tend to do that. We're a little more polite, whatever. Maybe we're just a more godly society. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> I think that like we just have to be, I think, I think like the idea of the celebrity maybe doesn't hit Canada as much because of we're 10 times smaller and... You know, we don't really have the same kind of system, but I, I'm not going to say that I would not fall prey to the same things. And so how do I safeguard oh, I myself, right? Sure. It'd be like, like, there's a reason why I talk about like how much I suck <laughs> on stage a lot, right? Because it's like, I don't ever want to get to the point where like, I am this shining example yeah. of Jesus, right? Like I'm going to, anyways, that, so I, at the end of the day, yes, I do think that there's a cap on leadership that I have to be willing to set, right? That hey, here's a really good, because even, I'll give you a good number, I actually wanted to, there have been studies that, that have been done that anything over like 70K a year, yeah. your your happiness quotient, whatever they want to call it, 
plateaus. Yeah. Right. So if you can get to that space where like, you know, I'm going to have some left over. My kids can enjoy certain things. My wife can be blessed. I'm not extravagant in any way and I can give money away. Yeah. That'd, cool. be, a, that'd be a good like goal. To yeah. Like, like, yourself. like yeah. the thing is, this is because I think, and this gets at all our conversation, but like the idea of, because what is the narrative, right? The narrative is you make money, you save for retirement, then you coast for the rest of your life. Yeah. That's not a biblical narrative. Nope. At all, right? The idea of like get to 55 and save for it. Like that's not how we're called ever to live. It's a modern day one that you could call is, you could say is wise in some respects, which I think it is. And so am I saving retirement? Yeah, I am because I want to make sure there is money there when I die and different things like that. Well, you're not going to be physically able to preach forever either too. Well, get, well you might. But the way I preach, maybe not. <laughs> I'll give my heart attack when I'm 55. But um, pray that doesn't happen. Pray that doesn't happen. Anyways, um, so I think there's that idea, again, just the model of like the goal of life. And so for us as a church, yeah. right, that, or for me as a pastor, that's kind of anti-prosperity that, you know, does like keeping up with trends. Like I don't want to dress like I'm from the 90s because that's just horrible. Yeah, but that's coming back around. Yeah, I don't know what people are thinking, but... That like there's always going to be that temptation to be more than we are, but I think if we're just being honest, and again, I've thought about this too, even for our church, right? Like if if we keep growing, and you know, my salary can increase. Like this maybe gets too intricate, but like I do plan on saying like no more than this, right? Like yeah. we talk about it, we set up because I'd rather, to be honest, I'd rather, and this is gonna, this is kind of like to be honest, like just practical, because I'd rather take the money that would be considered excessive for me. Yeah, and hire another staff. That's the right thing or that, hire another yeah. like, like why would I not do that? That just doesn't make sense to me. I, I do want to dig into that a little bit too, just like your your kind of vision for our church and kind of you know how you're going to maybe avoid some of this stuff because I think a lot of this can get into the idea of also like a church being built around a celebrity pastor as well. Like, what's a way that you would see like as we grow, um, us kind of not having that happen to us? That because like you're a good preacher. People like coming so. to hear you preach. Are you um, saying like what would happen if Mike was like? A yeah, like because I know we do talk about this. Like we do, we do want to be a church that isn't just built around like our pastor, right? Like we're not. It's not just one guy, and the church lives and dies by him. So kind of like, what are some things that maybe we're doing as a church to avoid that kind of future? Um, I'm friends with Leah, and she constantly roasts me. <laughs> um, You're welcome. Both true and untrue, and very true. Very true. But we have a culture of honor where we encourage more than anything else. We right, do. Leah? We do. Um, we do. No, I, like, I think one of the things that we've done really well is that I, myself... You, myself, and I, classic you. Have, <laughs> classic, uh, honestly, very limited power in the church. Mm, yeah like people may because this thing people don't really recognize that on the outside because they're like he's the guy that speaks every week and usually in that context people i think non-church people maybe not so much but church people expect well that's the pastor right and like i don't even go with the title lead pastor because i'm not right like i just like i don't embody that at all i think for me it's um we call me the teaching and vision pastor because that's what i said teaching and I, and I try to hear from Jesus and set some vision but like for us the way that we've set it up is I have a board above me a lead team I'm equal to uh, equal with um and then an ops team below us that we actually run a lot of our decisions by because they're the ones that have to help us do it right and so I have I have not 
I can't remember the last time other than like a preaching series I've actually made a decision by myself. Yeah. I actually awesome. can't. And um and does it make us go slower? Yes. It does. But it also helps us move I think more confidently. Yeah. Right? That this is where we need to go and um dynamics like that whole that's a whole other conversation about team dynamics and you know leadership in the church, but that's one thing that we've done really well I think is I've just and and this gets into the whole story of even my pastoral ministry and what I had to learn and go through and come to the point where I just recognize I kind of suck at a lot of most stuff, to be honest. Um, and that's not even trying to be like, oh, look no at false me, right? humility there. It's not like I'm just not that good at what I thought I was good at. Right. Um, and the best thing I did, um, in the, like literally, and I'll say this, the best thing I did in the course of this church plant was um, find Megan. And, and Ivan, and start a lead team around that, right? Like we, we had like different mo- modes of leadership structures throughout the, the beginning. But when it, when Megan came on, it was like, I can, I can administrate stuff and organize stuff. I was like, you're hired for free, right? <laughs> and, and gave that away. And that just, that developed into what we now have the lead team with stuff like, I don't know, like we would not be aware where we are without those initial kind of just relinquishing of, um, power to that right to mm-hmm. them and even like what was it easy no there were times i'm like am i have i given way too much away right um but in in like now we're you know coming up to 18 19 months even a little bit past that no about 18 months of existing as a church and we're healthy as a church i make less decisions as the pastor and to be honest talk about like freedom sometimes like there are weeks from like if I didn't like have to preach every week, so I should be prepping, like I can get my work done and still love my family and be present and hang out. And like, yeah. it's, I'm actually, it's funny cause I'm like in, in, a, in a, I have less responsibility now um, with greater effectiveness than I did at my last church when I did like everything in sort of a smaller context. And so it's just interesting. Like, like I think we've done a really good job of setting that up and, like I kind of function outside the church as the lead pastor. People probably refer to me to that, but like within our rank, like I I don't feel like I am in any way, because um, we we just defer a lot. And are we great at it? Obviously not. We're still growing, figuring out. But that's one thing that we've committed to is like. And I never thought this is the funny thing. I'm talking about like how Jesus works in our life. I never. I was always taught and kind of convinced of the like the one guy model, right? Like yeah. there's the one guy at the top, and he gets his staff, and he does his thing, and. And I, I love what we're doing now. Like, I honestly, yeah. like, I can't even imagine going back to, like, having to have all those decisions by myself. Like, it would suck. Like, I'm, like, and, I, like, it, seriously, like, I'm just not that good. Like, I have to learn. I, like, I think I, le- I read more about leadership and stuff now that I'm not having the full pressure of leadership on me because I just realize how much I don't know what to do. And so I think that's been part of it. And then, um, you know, I've talked to even... Like we talked about this, but who we're putting on stage, visible authority, visible power, um, even the preaching stuff. Like I've gotten guys up on stage that, you know, probably faster than some churches would in the sense of their preparedness for preaching. But I want to let them learn and grow and have the freedom to be able to walk away whenever I have to. Like that's one thing I, I was always challenged of. And this is where I think maybe it's difficult for if I was in a bigger church, maybe it would be. I don't know because this is where I'm at, the context. But 
um, that if I can't just drop the church and walk away, I'm way too attached. Yeah. I'm way too in. And a year ago, I couldn't do it, right? But God's been moving in our life and our church. And like right now, I could walk away, not because I don't love the church and want to be part of what's going on, but because I'm not, I'm not addicted to the church, if that makes sense. I think that's a better language. Yeah. Right, where it's like it's, it's maybe not like an idol. To it's you not or? as much as it used to yeah. be at all, and and like there was a time in my last church where I wanted to leave because I just didn't want to be there. Like it, it was like I just it's not that like I actually didn't care, which is bad. I should have caught my heart, and I've learned since then the ways I deal with that. Where this is like I could just walk away because it's uh, like I'm holding it with such loose hands of like Jesus this is your thing. Like we talk about kingdom come and will be done. This week I'm talking about permission from God. And if he's like, you need to walk. All right, we'll walk. And trying to keep that out in my head. Because, I don't know, I've been just more convinced that like the local church is really the ministry. Like the conferences and the speaking, I would love that. Like it, it conferencing and stuff like that actually energizes me. Like I go and people yeah. like, like, I, like, you really want to speak in front of this many people? I'm like, that jacks me up. I'm so excited to do that. And then I come back and real ministry begins. Like, that's... And so, could I give up going to conferences? Yeah, it wouldn't matter to me. Do I like it? Yeah. Does it make me feel good? Yeah. Although, like, people... Because the thing is, at that, like, you're, you're, you're like the one-off guy. You just walk in, give your best sermon, walk out. Where you guys know... <laughs> that That is not every week, right? That, that just doesn't happen, say right? it's Most weeks, your sermons are but, pretty... It's just good, like, man. so I think there's that dynamic where we've just really like, I know we joke about it, but if I died, I, like our church would continue if it wanted to. Yeah. If it didn't want to, then that's a whole other thing. But like, you know, guys could step up, women could step up, like our lead nice. team could do it. Right? So I could step up? You totally could. I've, you're you're <laughs> like, you're the hidden talent of the church, right? Um, I, that sounded way more sarcastic than it <laughs> meant to be. I'm sorry about that. Um, so yeah, I think we we've just done that really well, and we'll grow the preaching team. And um, and part of our our heart, right, is that we want to like plant more churches and grow. And you know, will I probably forever be the main teaching voice? I think so. That's what God's gifted me to do. So why wouldn't I have that? But. But why would we not raise up leadership to replace me? It just, it just yeah. doesn't make sense, right? Just because it's like longevity. Like I know it. Like it's sort of weird. I'm 28 talking about if I'm gonna die, but like that's what life is. Like I could, and so I'll, why would we not raise up people who could continue the work of Jesus? Because if it literally, and this is why I get scared of. Like if I'm the one driving all the vision, if I'm the one driving all the mission, if I'm the one driving all of it, then all I've done is create a cult of yeah. personality around Mike, right? <laughs> yeah. That if I've somehow removed it all falls apart, then like I haven't actually been a leader at that point either. Like there's so many issues with that in the layers um, that like I just try to avoid. That's why we're like we're not flashy as a church, to be honest. Right? We like if you come, we literally have four lights and a screen. We might add two more if we get a speaking stage maybe. But like I don't ever I don't ever, I can't say that. I don't plan on this season of our life. Um to get more flashy than that because it's not what we're about. Like it's, it's like if you're coming to our church, um, I just want to make sure that we are as so buzzwordy, but as like authentic and transparent and encounter based with Jesus than anything else. Right. Like we want to be relevant church and we want to be these things, 
but I'm just more convinced that like what people are like the way the way it's been said is like a generation ago and you guys can I know I talk for a long time now you Sam you set me up to just chat um, you guys can chime in on this one but like like even for for your friends and whatnot like they said that um, some of like church leaders now are trying to look at look at the church trends and see this and they're like you know a generation ago or even ten years ago people came to church because these churches were being like pushing the edge on on media and and you know production is like oh I've never seen a church do this before and blah blah blah, blah. where we've come so far from that where like church is not a, like it's never considered cool right like there's some cool Christianity but like if people aren't thinking like I'm just gonna go to church and see this amazing show because legitimately like every concert is more production driven than the church right yeah. like so like why would i go sunday morning when i can get on friday night that if people are actually going to come to church even if we like invite them hey would you come check this out we're not saying that because we think that they want to come and see a show right we think like people are going to come and, and go through the doors of a church because they're looking for something deeper than that now it's not like like production doesn't impress anyone like social media has ruined that because you could literally get the best preaching the best worship service like it sounded like you said breast <laughs> the best preaching um like you could literally curate a perfect production value church service online yeah start a little hillsong worship go get your furtick and then get like your you know your closing song from bethel and just it's the whole thing right yeah and so like we it's, it's not like churches can impress beyond what's out there yeah so if people are coming to church if we're getting people it's because they need something deeper than that and if we just not remove the the excellence of what we're doing, but the focus of it, I do think that it takes it off of Mike. Like it's like, take, anyways. That what 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 do you think about that? Is that true? Yeah, well, I think so. Like I I would say that people want meaning in their lives. Like that's what's gonna keep people in church rather than just like a flashy show. Because like here's the thing: I've been going to our church for a while now, and it's like, you know, I have heard all the songs at this point that we do right like it's not like it's not like these external things like just i like the songs that's keeping me in church it's mm -hmm. the fact that i found something deeper that i'm willing to really just devote my life and time to that this is a community that i want to be a part of um the i'm being fed and discipled oh um, there's some good buzzwords. yeah like i have found something that's keeping me here um that isn't just like a short-term high that I'm getting. And I, I do think, I think churches that maybe, I don't, I don't want to say that church, that there are churches that are focusing all their energy on the hype and not delivering on the other stuff. But I think that can be a uh, line that you cross maybe. I think it's easy to, because once you like start getting into it, it's like, wow, that was really cool. Like I want to like recreate that experience with like the lights and the loud and everything. And like, <laughs> Even, even like, even like the pastor himself though, because here's the thing: like I've seen Mike preach for like two years worth of sermons. I've seen you preach at this point, and it's like you have your themes and your styles and everything. So it's not like it's not like new anymore. You know what I mean? Like when I first saw you, I was like blown away by how good your preaching was. Now, and it's like, and I still think, I still think you're good at, I still think you're a great preacher. It's just that, like, the maybe the, the, has, the initial newness yeah. has worn off, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, now it's the depth that is keeping... It's not that just your preaching is keeping me there, but, like, that's, you know, I'm going there on Sunday morning, and I am still excited to hear what you have to say, not just because I'm expecting a bunch of funny jokes 
Because I'm hilarious. <laughs> right? Like, like, I am... It is part of my routine. It is part mm-hmm. of my, you know, spiritual walk to go and take part in this now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, like... Well, I just personally don't like the flashiness because I'm not there to be entertained. I'm not there to like like the songs, which not to say that's a bad thing if you are, if you happen to go to church and you're like, wow, I really love the songs. I loved how they did it. It's not to say that's a bad thing, but that's ultimately not the point. So it's easy to like, we, like what you were saying, like it's easy to direct your focus on like you can walk away from church and be like, that nah, wasn't very good today. They did this song and like the mm-hmm. lights were, it was like, it wasn't loud enough or it was too loud, blah, blah. It's like, well, why were you going to church? Yeah. You shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't go to a restaurant and only eat appetizers. You should go and have the full course meal. That yeah. landed well. And there you go. Well, well, I think though, like I think we have to, cause that's a lot of church stuff, right? Like church people, if you're coming to church, but like if you're not a church person, like, I do think there's, like, obviously this, like, oh, I didn't expect church to be like this. Although, like, like I said, online you can get all that. Yeah. But I think, like, the heart for me is the tension between not being this weird, irrelevant, culturally, like, insensitive Christian. Because I think you can go too far. Yeah. But truly not being distracting. Right, mm-hmm. like it's like I don't want you to follow Jesus because you like what I look like or like my life that yeah. I've curated or the coolness of my life. Like, I want you to follow me as I follow Jesus because I think I'm hoping to be an example for you. But like, it's always to push you beyond myself. And if like people are being drawn to, if people are being drawn to the person that's being presented and not the like the way of following Jesus, the, the idea, the theology, the person behind the person then I think that's where it's distracting. And again, can we control that? No. Well, within a certain framework, I think maybe, but mm-hmm. I can't like force everyone's heart to see the right message. But yeah. it's like, what can we do to strike that balance? I think it is that is, is that tension, right? And for me, like you guys know, I'm, I got like four outfits. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just recycle until I get a new shirt and it's in there. Yeah. It's summertime soon. So I'll be wearing like my short sleeve blue one because I got like oh, four me of too, them. man. Right? Me like too. Just, We're gonna so match one of those. Match Sundays. all the time, right? And so it's like, yeah, I'm I'm not I just I'm not trying to be cooler than I am. Like I think I used to want that. But it's like I'm not that cool. Do you think it's also because like you wanna like you wanna be seeker friendly, air quotes, because it's like, look, like we're relevant. Like we play no, cool music. Like I don't I say the way that the, my language is never seeker friendly because I think that that died. That whole movement is dead. Um because if some like if you're an actual seeker of Jesus, like I need something more in my life, you're not asking for yeah. I need a cool experience to once a week hype me up. Like if you're at that stage, then you know, hopefully you find a church that does that. Like honestly, like, there are, I'm sure there are people there, but I feel like with the way that our culture is gone, like there's no advantage for someone now ever to check out church at all zero right like because in fact it's it's negative social advantage to how can do that so if you're going to come and and be willing to hear the message be willing to be in there right you really do i think crave hope you crave an answer you crave meaning you crave something a little bit deeper and you might not say it on the surface because like who's going to walk up to someone people i don't know hey i'm craving hope right now like it's not going to happen right so i have no hope in my right? life it's not going to say that but like well, so I mean, like, yeah, I, I like the sermon. I like the music. I like the whatever, I like the experience. But for me, the way that I say it, and it t- kind of ties back into the conversation we had earlier around 
Christianese and language is I say seeker aware in the sense of our expectation should be that people who don't know Jesus are with our community every week that we're gathering, whether it's true or not, which is why, um, you know, um, explanation, I think, is so important. So Explain. Well, I was going to say explanatory <laughs> something, but it makes sense. Stop it, Leah. Stop keeping me humble. Anyways, um, and so, like, that's why, like, in the beginning of my sermons, I'll what some would consider a waste of time going through and explaining why we do it as a church and what we believe about Jesus and here's what the Bible is for us is not for the Christians in the room. Like they should know all that stuff. It's for people who maybe don't know and are unfamiliar and don't know what this guy's about to get up here and talk to me for 45 minutes, right? Like trying to just give them that level of, of explanation. So it's like, Hey, we know you're in the room. Um, we aren't going to change us. You are going to get us. Right. So that's why like we still pray and we do those exhortations and we wait on Jesus sometimes. Cause it's like, if the spirit leads, we're going to go in that, but I'm not going to pretend like, they're not there. So I think there is a balance where there's like, there's like secret insensitive churches who are just like, Oh, I've been to one. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> there's, like it's just you're like, yeah. Anyways, I'm not going to get into that. But then there's a secret sensitive ones, which like, you don't even know if they're Christian or just yeah. self help. Right. Um, and we're just trying to hit that balance. And are we perfect? Of course not. Like I think any church that believes they are exposed to other issues. Right. There, yeah. But we're just trying to be as, like we just like um, we we the collective me uh, I'm really I'm really bought in to our brand our way of doing church and Christianity I just think really it's cool in its own way not in the like cultural coolness but just in the freshness of it I think that there's a um just like a, a simplicity to it that I don't I just find refreshing as a Christian and. I'm assuming other people are going to like it, basically. Like, I'm not trying to yeah. be some, like, sage of ministry because will it work everywhere? Of course not, but it's working here so far. Like, we're seeing our church grow, and do we want more baptisms? Of course, more salvations, of course. Um, but, like, we're, yeah, I don't know. We're just trying to do what Jesus says. So if he said, told all the church to do something different, I'm not going to judge him for that.